Blog Talk Radio. Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I am your host. Tonight is January 26, 2021, and it's now the third show of the year. Wow. Okay, everybody, we're going to have some callers. I think Jacqueline's going to be calling in in maybe five or ten minutes, and then I've invited a few other people to call in, and I have to say that this chapter is a chapter that really reminds me of the weird nostalgia that I let live with me for many decades in AA, even after long it left. So this is, uh, I don't know if that made sense, after long it left. I think I'm talking like I'm in the 1600s or something. (laughs) So... Early America. <laughs> Sorry. Life is so weird right now. You gotta laugh or else you'll cry or scream, right? All you all of you guys see that woman who was playing the ukulele, that teacher, and then she was like screaming. And then I saw this ad on T V where they have people calling in to scream to let it out. Oh my god, it's like just open the fuck up. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, here we go. Chapter seven, working with others. Practical experience shows that nothing, nothing, this guy loved black and white thinking, you know, that stuff that's so unhealthy for us. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. It works when other activities fail. Activities. (laughs) This is our 12th suggestion. Mm. Yeah, carry this message to other alcoholics. Now, this is the whole proselytizing thing. This is really serious. This is why AA is still like the gravy train it is and that it went on and on because they just really pulled in that kind of ministry thing about carrying the message, which I really latched onto, which I'll tell you a little bit of the story before uh, my caller calls in. Um, You can help when no one else can. So I felt like good about myself that I could do this. You can secure their confidence when others fail. And remember, they are very ill. <laughs> Life will take on a new meaning to watch people recover, to see them help others, 
too much loneliness vanish, to see a fellowship grow up about you, to have a host of friends. This is an experience you must not miss. You know you will not want to miss this. Frequent contact with newcomers, and we see the other bright spot of our lives. Okay. You know, maybe there was some, some aspect of it, but as I'm reading it, I was having, like, all these, like, bad memories of actually many of these people that I met, the younger the younger people that I hung out with, which is who, you know, 12-stepped me. Perhaps you are not acquainted with any drinkers who want to recover. You can easily find some by asking a few doctors, ministers, priests, or hospitals. They will only be, they will, they will be only too glad to assist you. Um, don't start out as an evangelist or reformer. Unfortunately, a lot of prejudice exists. You will be handicapped if you arouse it. Ministers and doctors are competent. You can learn from them if you wish, but it happens that because of our, your own drinking experience, you can be uniquely useful to other alcoholics. So cooperate, never criticize. To be helpful is our only aim. And, I, you know, the thing about I have that, that part underlined from, you know, the 1970s, and I think that one of the uh, the things that people really did back then, I don't know, you know, if this still goes on or went on 10 years ago, that these one-liners became used for everything. Like, you know, to, obviously to be cooperative rather than to be critical, you know, is a better thing. It's a better, op- it, it is more helpful in, in your own life and other people's lives. People will like you better too. <laughs> That's for sure. But the part that, really I got triggered as I was reading this is I remember being I was under a year I think and uh, I somehow somebody called me to go to a 12 step call because you know people knew I think it was must have been in that second year maybe like from I was a year and 18 months sober I was like 19 years old and um, Somebody said, oh, you know, it might be good for Monica to do this. And they sent me to Queens Hospital to do a 12-step call by myself. <laughs> and I was like 19 years old. <laughs> and I was feeling like really inept because I'm like, um, you know, I never really, you know, had this experience. And, I, and then I thought, well, I did wind up in the hospital. But it was for medical reasons. I mean, I was totally binge drinking and um and then I found out I was pregnant in my fallopian tube. So it was like a conglomeration of those two things uh, at 16. But anyway, I go to the hospital, and there's a woman, and she's like in her 40s. And she's like been chronically drinking for like 20 years. And she's like, what the hell What the hell are you doing here? And I was trying to tell a story, my story, and do exactly what the book here tells me. <laughs> she's like, I don't think you're an alcoholic. Mm. And, you know, I remember saying to myself, yeah, I don't think I'm one either. What the hell am I doing? Being like, you know, in Florence Nightingale or whatever, or Miss Do-Gooder, Miss A.A., whatever. Sorry, but anyway, um, what people said to me, which is so typical, is, well, did you stay sober? And, of course, I said yes. And they said, well, you see, it worked. And I was like, what? Like, oh, my God. They have, like, a cliche for everything. Um, so here's some more that I underlined. When you discover a prospect for Alcoholics Anonymous, find out all you can about him. If he does not want to stop drinking, don't waste time trying to persuade him. You may spoil a later opportunity. <laughs> you know, I didn't follow this advice very well. I tried to get everybody sober <laughs> when I joined AA. This advice is given for his family, too. 
They should be patient, realizing that they are dealing with a sick person. Okay, so how come they treat people so shitty now in AA? I mean, come on, like they throw people away, you know. What is that? That's been going on for like tough love thing with like Nancy Reagan and, you know, that horrible scared straight program. Um, if there is any indication that he wants to stop, have a good talk with the person most interested. Oh, this is so boring. I, said, I don't think I can read this. Um, <laughs> it's really bad. Um, sometimes it's it's wise. I'm going to skip over to wait till he goes on a binge, and the family um, may object to this. But unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it is better to risk it. Um, don't deal with him when he is drunk. That's actually really good advice. Um, unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree or at least for a lucid, lucid interval. Definitely good advice. And then let his family or friend ask him if he wants to quit for good. Um, not good advice, and if he would go to any extreme to do it. I do think you have to ask people what they – and I would really like to interject this here. Oh, I see Jacqueline's in the queue. I'm going to get with you in just like a minute or two. Let me just – I'm going to wrap this up. Um, where you say to somebody – this was very new language for me – is um, what do you want to do? Like not if even if you want to stop, more of you know how how can we help you? Um, you know, do you want to stop? Do you want to do harm reduction? Do you want to reduce your drinking? You know, we're worried you're drinking and driving. Whatever that would be, you know, and that that can happen a lot and be very very scary. Uh, certainly experienced that um, with somebody that I love. But anyway, um, if he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as the person who has recovered. And like this is the part where. I really think that AA really, really misses it um, because what it does teach is everybody to be really self-absorbed and it teaches people actually to become more narcissistic. I do hate that word and thank God people have stopped using it a ton, but um, that, you know, everything is not about me and, and, and AA really teaches you or they did me like, well, bring it back to yourself now, Monica, like use the eye, <laughs> use your eyes <laughs> whenever... <laughs> I'm sorry, but um, I'm going to call. I'm going to bring in Jacqueline right now. Here we go. Hey. Hello. Hey. Hi. Hi there. Welcome to the show. Thank you. That's Devin, huh? Working with others. <laughs> Do you think maybe that was just like an idea for them to sell more books? Like the only thing you can do once you get to this desk. Right, it's to only work. The, the only thing you can do is to work with other alcoholics. You can't volunteer to dog shelter. You can't spend yeah. your time at a soup kitchen. No, you, you can only preach the AA book to others because why? They wanted more membership to their program, mm-hmm. so they could sell more books. That's how that feels, doesn't it? And like, why do you have to be yeah, an that's AA? That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good point. And you know, to, to that point. When people leave and they wind up in the Facebook groups or they used to work on the wind up on the blogs and they feel so alone, that's the advice that people give people is like, do you like dogs? Like, you know, you know, yeah, volunteer at a dog shelter or, you know, at a homeless shelter, like, you know, we give a soup kitchen or, you know, whatever it is where you could volunteer. Yeah. Yeah. It's, did, did you get a chance to look at anything? You were so funny. You're like, okay, I'm going to like take a look at that and see what. I read the whole chapter. <laughs> Did you fall asleep? No, I mean it's a quick read. When I said it was, when they said it was fifteen pages, I forgot the print's really big and they really break up the paragraphs. Right. So it was a quick 
15 chapters. But you know, honestly, what stood out was it was just like, it was, it almost felt like, like, are we about to get to the wives, by the way? I don't remember what chapter's next, but it felt a little to the wivesy because it's just repeatedly talking about it's the man. When the man is it, like, so it, it, it almost still, it still pulls away from the fact that women can be of the problem drinking variety. And um, that's disclusive language, which, by the way, they're so superstitious about even changing a comma in the book that they're not going to change any of that language. Um, and I'm not hung up on those details, but I, I was thinking, you know, as I was reading it, because I, I knew I was going to call and talk, and I'm like, you know, we do have a problem because it's like people, people do, people who have made bad choices with their friends and are living in a dark world that's seedy, they have, you know, they do need to get out of that world, right? But then do we throw right. them into, I don't think throwing all the people who are struggling together in one room with no, like, even to get a sponsor, right, that, or someone that's willing to work with you, you they just yeah. raise their hand at the end of the meeting. So, like, I don't, I don't even, there's no profile sheet. Even Tinder has a profile sheet. Like, you're going to swipe for a date on <laughs> Tinder, it'll say in the bio, like, I, I like cats. This is my politics. This is what I like to do on the weekends. At least the meeting walls are pretty bare, don't you think? So couldn't we at least put like yeah. a laminated profile picture of every sponsor that's still there? And then if they if they decide to leave, we can just unvelcro it from the wall and plaster a new person's face on there, so we have at least a list of choices. Because I want I want what they have, so I want to know what they have. I don't know, like what do what. I, Right. Well, oh my there. God, this is so funny. We could be like Lou, Lou Costello, you know. When when this is over, we should stand on a stage and do this. <laughs> That's really, really funny. I'm like, yeah, oh you're my talking God. to like you at 19, talking to this like super older like lady who's like going, I don't know if you can help me. I don't really think that you belong here. There's people that you can help, and then there's people you're not qualified to help. And does it always take right. a degree to know that you're qualified to help somebody? No, but like, you know, out of the realm of AA, I've uh, had a friend who's been like, you know, I want to kill myself. And I've gone over there and been like, dude, what are you doing? Like, that you're tripping out right now. The girl you're with is no good. And the, the conversation ended with a hug. The guy shed some tears. He was like, all right, cool. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick around. Great. I've also gone in life and tried repeatedly to give this lady, this old lady who she's like a hooker. I can tell because her high heels are gnarly, but she's really old and super, she's got the cart. She's on one. She has a very unique style. And I was always trying to get her to help to the point. I'm like, I made her a homemade plate of food. I was living in a bad neighborhood. And this lady ended up like pushing me away and cussing me out and like pretty much assaulted me. So I realized, you know, I was trying too hard. She was not receptive to help and I was unqualified to help her. In AA, Mm. it seems like they make no distinction of who really has, like who is right for what person, who can help who, you know? Yeah, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Um, let's let's go on. Let me just see here. And I think the way I'm going to do this, because we could like really skip through it, I don't want to read it all because it is really strange. I'll go to places where I underline to see why. Um, tell them exactly what happened to you. Stress the spiritual feature freely. If the man be agnostic or atheist, make it emphatic that he doesn't have to agree with your conception of God. Well, that's bullshit because if they really... That's a really heavy-handed thing. I don't think that might have changed a little because the atheist and agnostic groups groups have really grown. But back in the day... But back then, at the end of the day, it was like really God. They were just trying to say, don't talk about it It yet. You think that's what was going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. 
Like, in fact, I don't know if my sister is going to call in, but she said something really funny when we were both early on in those meetings in Kailua. So if you're listening, Sarah, that, those, we'll save that story for then. Um, the main thing is that he'd be willing to believe in a power greater than himself and that he lived by spiritual principles. So that's like really heavy-handed. And even though I am a person of faith, and I finally have figured out how to say it for me because I hate the word spiritual still, like, I, I mean, it's been 10 years since I'm gone, but I don't, maybe I don't hate it anymore, but I really dislike it and I won't use it for me. And I've only begun to be okay with it if someone uses it, I don't go like, you know, like grateful I can't stand still, like gratitude and grateful, I hate those two words. So I still say, uh-huh. you know, I say I'm thankful or appreciative, like that kind of stuff. How about you? Are there yeah. words that, you know, really like that you can't stand still from the program? Yeah, and I even find myself saying them sometimes, like, it is what it is, or fake it till you make it. <laughs> no, like, you don't say that. <laughs> you do, I've heard it. You do say it, fake it till you make it. Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm saying, do you really say that to people? No, not that one, not that one, but it is what it is. Fall. I mean, I grew up hearing it is what it is. And then sometimes I have myself. I don't think that's an AA saying, though. I mean, that that, that to but me it's is alone just around like a thing. So much. Mm. Well, I don't know. What are some other ones? Maybe. Maybe, maybe I've actually maybe. I mean, seen it out. Well, no, I mean just like uh, one day at a time. That's really like a simple line. Oh yeah. Line. One Wait, day no, one at day a time. Like, huh? like I can really like say uh, like one week. Like when you're dealing with medical issues, and they're like, "Well, just take it." And I said, "Don't even say that to me." <laughs> they're like, "What?" I said, "Don't even." You know, I, I, it's a long story. <laughs> I'm not getting into it right now. <laughs> well, because the expectation is forever, by the way, so it's not really one day at a time, right? Because the oh, yeah, expectation yeah. That's right. is for forever. That's right. The ab- totally. The and in fact, is total abstinence. So if it's one day at a time, does that mean that maybe next week I could become like maybe just like a weekend drinker because it's just one day at a mm-hmm. time? So maybe in a few months. And maybe I won't need you guys. So it's not really presented that way. There is no escaping. Oh, oh, you know what I hate is the the whole. You, what is it? It's you. You have a disease forever, and every time, and it, and it keeps on growing. Or what is that saying? It, it's always oh, yeah, the, it's always growing, no matter what you're doing. Even doing push-ups in the parking lot. Yes. Yes, doing fucking push-ups in the parking lot. Like even I'm like, you know, even as a night. Did we talk about this last? I feel like we we mentioned it last time two weeks ago, but I remember thinking. Wait a minute. Did you just say that to me? Like she was like forty, I think, or I mean, she was twenty years older than me. So yeah, she was probably forty. Um, this Hawaiian woman, Mary, who became my AA sponsor, and she mentioned that even though I wouldn't drink, your alcoholism is still growing. Like I was like, what? Like what? Like what are you talking about? Like that's nuts. Like no, it's not. Like you're actually getting better, and you've moved far away from this. And you know, it was like really like a point where I went, no, and never ever bought that like that was one of those things that i never bought or believed uh it's fear driven wow it's totally fear driven. yeah it's and totally fear driven like release from fear through the program so then why would we be touting things like that and by the way are those things even in the book at all does it even say that in there what no it never says in the book that our disease is that the disease is doing push-ups i don't think so these are just things no it says, randomly... it says we'll meet you on the broad highway I mean, you know what it says actually in the book? Like, so there's a couple of places where it's really uh, not at all what people say now. Let me see if I can. The very beginning, it says before they get into the book, it's in the forward. It says we are a hundred people who have recovered. 
recovered from extremely hopeless. Yeah, yeah. This is, um, uh, and you know what? I have a friend whose son joined AA, and um, so she's like a childhood friend of mine, and she said that there was a young people's movement in AA who were getting really sticklers to the book and saying, we have recovered so that they weren't going to, like, they, so they started to really f- push back towards some of the dogma. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. You know? I have seen, but then there's other st- I've seen a, gu- a guy or two come up and say, you know, I, I have recovered, but I'm here now to spread the message. So ultimately, at the end of the day, their time becomes warped in spreading the message there when their services could be used elsewhere in the world. I mean, there's so many causes to be a part of. I just, and, and helping alcoholic people with drinking problems Ugh. is a great thing to do um or even if there are i mean there are people who are physically addicted to alcohol but i just all the people that i've met like that you know yeah they 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 end up and i have met people that are that are in the trenches like that that have you know stopped their death spiral but it's usually because of a severe and traumatic life-changing event like a coma or a really bad Mm -hmm. car accident or something that just that they something so traumatic that it, they were already going to be there anyway. Yeah, it's intense. So uh, I'm just going to jump, move along. I'm going to go here to um, page 94, and these are these are places that I highlighted with a pink sharpie highlighter like 40 years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm going straight to them to see. What what I found wow, interesting. Wow, you had that book for a while. Oh, you should see it. I should take like a little video and post it up in the group. I think I'll do it because that would be easy for me to do. Um, it's a mess, but it says um, it is important for him to realize that your attempt to pass this on to him plays a vital part in your own recovery. So, like, if you don't do this, you're just not going to make it. You know what I mean, Jacqueline? It's like um, actually he may be helping you more than you are <laughs> helping him. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just how important it is that he placed the welfare of other people. Oh, 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 look at this one. Um, Just how important it is that he placed the welfare of other people ahead of his own. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That's, again, how to be a walk-on. When I just read the chapter, that did stand out, how to be a walk-on. Right? How to be a walk-on? Yeah, how to put other... I mean, it's true. It's nice to look out for other people, but you know that whole saying about put the oxygen mask on yourself first? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so let's do well, that. You know, let's... You know, that's true. That's true. You know what I noticed? I did notice this, and I was pretty young with some people who have like 10 years, and I had like, you know, like I was talking about 18 months, whatever I had, and I was 19. And I remember noticing how they were kind of a wreck. Like the hair, you know, was like going this way and that way, and they weren't getting their nails done, and they weren't like they were actually over stepping. You know, they were over working with others and giving it away, and and actually were neglecting their own families and their own children um, because they were wow, so busy. Wow, really? And the people who were like long time in it. I know people with ten years. In fact, I, I met somebody when I was early making the film whose father was in it for like he was like thirty, thirty-five years sober, and everybody else was a priority over him and this guy was a really good guy a really nice guy and his father just made AA and that because their ego gets stroked you know there's a big ego thing in in people who have time who are like they're like they're becoming a therapy for you know I'm sorry a therapist for these people 
Mm-hmm. Right. That's the whole other end everybody, of it, yeah. There were people that way way over the top in um, 12-step work and, and not taking care of themselves. Sense, now that you think about it, because the people that I've met, that like they get sober for a year, right, and they've got brand new clothes. They're always looking great at the meetings. You know, you got to, the young, the young people's meetings that I was going right, to. Right, right, It felt more like in high school when you go to the mall on a Friday night and, like, you get dressed up for it because you might get a date. <laughs> yeah. So I was going to Radford Hall a lot, though, but that, it seemed like a lot of it was sort of like a dog and pony show of the costume. But, yeah, I, there, now that I'm thinking about there was this one lady that worked there, and she was a really humble, hardworking lady, and, yeah, she was, like, constantly just serving herself to other people. But I could see maybe not giving herself enough bubble baths and, you know, hang out time for herself. So, yeah, I guess that is out there, too. Wow, That's kind of sad. Did you go there? Oh, my God. So that, that was really a weird place. I went there when I first came to California, and I lived in Studio City, and I would go there. It was in the 80s, and I never liked it. I mean, I never felt Was it on Ventura Boulevard? Then? So I followed it from Ventura Boulevard to Van Nuys. And now it's gone. Oh, it's gone. Yeah, it's good. gone. Or moving again. Yeah, it was a. It was a. No, I, I went when it was down that hall. It was down from CBS Radford, on Radford, and um, everybody neighborhood hated it. And it was in this giant, big, old hall. I don't know what it must have been. It was probably part of the studio, maybe. I don't know the history, but it was like this big old fucking. It was in a church, and. Uh, yeah, they were they were pretty awful people. They were, I mean, Hawaii people were way nicer. Um, I want to read this next thing. Um, you cannot, your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all of the program. He may rebel, he might rebel at the thought of drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people. <laughs> Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether. You would have made such progress had you not taken action. And on your first visit, tell him about the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows interest, lend him the copy of your book. Um, that, you know, this a whole thing just feels so cultish. It just really is, um, I can't yeah, think. Yeah, in your book, because it's a secret magical book that we can never edit or change. It's a magic. Yeah, book, you know, actually. you can't. They have it written in the code of something. You know, the code of the code of the code. I have a friend who ran <laughs> AA. He was a general service manager for ten years. Yeah, and he told me that there's some special kind of thing that they've written that the big book can never be changed. Oh wow! So that's actually what it is because I asked a ton in the meetings, and they're like, "Well, no, you know, we don't want to change it because it works the way it is." And I'm like, "Great. Well, it could work a lot better if we could just like." gut it and then just like redo it all <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah just kidding yeah 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 but no they've the been, I, no there's some kind of code some special code oh, wow. oh there's kevin in the queue hey there kevin he's listening mm. um never talk down to an alcoholic from a moral or spiritual hilltop hmm Maybe they should read this in all the meetings right now. <laughs> yeah, right, because they do a lot of that. They actually don't. I wow. feel like they don't reach out to the most desperate people. Oh, that's a, that's the person at the meeting who shows up drunk isn't welcome, in my opinion. I've never really yeah, – it's always yeah. kind of looked upon strangely, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing that's changed. They really loved, um, you know, drunks and then – because when people started to come in sober, because they all came through rehab, 
Um, so many people didn't know how to deal with somebody who was what they called wet, you know, somebody who was actually going to, like, sober up, like, right in front of them. Um, <laughs> let's see. Hi, sweetie. There's my husband saying hi, sweetie. Um, thank hi. you for joining us, Kevin. And this is, I'm talking to Jacqueline, and this is my friend here in L.A. I'm Monica Richardson. This is my podcast. And, oh, let me do a little, just a little push for YouTube, because I would like to start to do some YouTube lives, and you can't do them until you have a 1,000 subscribers, I hear. So if you could go and um, like uh, like the YouTube page, this is Monica Richardson. Oh, and the other thing, oh, this troll lady, she came in the group, and she goes, she's private messaging. Jacqueline, she goes, I don't know why I'm like giddy. I guess because I felt so awful during the day today with the, the whole thing going on here that now I'm getting a relief from it. <laughs> and she goes, well, why why do you only have like so many like likes on your page? You know, you should have like tens of thousands if you I was like, What? I <laughs> said, how many likes I, she has on her page. Well, I never even tried. <laughs> like I was so clueless when I made my film and I got into Facebook. I didn't I didn't ever ask anybody to go over there and do that because I thought that was like so like inappropriate. Like that's not what I was there for. And now I'm like, Well, you're so stupid. You should have been asking like all these years. You know? Yeah, because that's what anyway. it's about. It's about the content. You know, the right? content. I mean I was like never I didn't do it, so anyway, now now I'm doing it. But it's just for whatever. The the YouTube is so that I can actually do them live there. Because then people can interact, like live, they can interact. And um, okay. yeah, that's pretty cool. So, right? Yeah, it is cool. I watch some people. Um, oh yeah, here we go. They're gonna, they're not gonna give up on this God thing, okay? Which, I'm okay if you're into God, like that. I'm not an atheist, and I'm not a not. But I, I, it's really bad for someone who has alcohol issues. I really think that they should be given, you know, treatment, medical treatment, and psychological treatment, or plant-based medicine treatment, but not this, like, you know, pray the pray the gay away, right? We're going to pray the drunk away. It's not okay anymore. I think it's terrible. So here we go. If he is not interested in your solution, if he expects you to act only as a banker for his financial difficulties or a nurse for his freeze, you may have to drop him until he changes his mind. This he may do after he, get, he gets hurt some more. If he is sincerely interested and wants to uh, see you again, ask him to read the book in the interval, and he can fall asleep while reading it, and then give you a call. <laughs> Say that. After doing that, he must decide for himself whether he wants to go on. He should not be pushed or prodded by you, his wife, or his friends. If he is to find God, the God. desire must come from within. And I have it underlined. And I think I underlined it because when I was making the film, we actually got how many musts and where they were. And how many times they mention God. So when somebody says it isn't a religious program, I'm like, I'm sorry, dude. But this, it's mentioned 497 times in the book. So um, there you go. And it right. Says, we could if he pick, is, pick a more ambiguous word. We couldn't have chosen a different word, just a spiritual word or, like, something to create anything. Right? Well, I must have found the power within yourself to make change. Like, the power really, like, that that whole thing that, you know, that God is this, uh, the puppeteer, right? And I guess the puppeteer is the one that runs the puppets. Like, I was never raised, with, I was raised, like, with a religion. And that's that's a really, I know there are religions that, you you know, oh, my God, you know, turning it over. No, 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 no. Like, I had free will. 
That's what Catholicism exactly. gave me. Exactly. That's a like choice. the cornerstone of like Christian or, or of many religions, isn't it? Free will. And so you can't mm-hmm. pray. You're drinking. You have to take the power into your own hands. Also, I found with the whole God thing is that they would tell me I could pick whatever I wanted. So at some point, I was like, cool. I'm a Zen tangling Buddhist animist that likes to blow bubbles as part of my spiritual program. <laughs> when people would ask me what That's my higher great. power was. And then they were like, cool. And I, they left me alone about it, though, right? And it was cool. I was into Zen tangling. It's an art form. I like some stuff about Buddhism, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just, I would, it's basically my way of saying, there, are you happy now? Cool. Leave me alone. And then every time you I know, would get someone to be like, okay, you're going to be my sponsor, they would still tell me to pray. I'm like, right, but as a Zen tangling Buddhist animist that likes to go blubbles as part of my spiritual program, my, my relationship with my creator is that my creator doesn't believe in listening to human prayers because they're, like, busy doing a lot of other stuff in outer space and all through the world to make the ocean's tides move and to make the sun set and rise. And so my higher power doesn't really... Like, there is no praying. It's not listening. That's not what I believe in. So you're going against mm. my own spirituality to try to continue to press me to pray because praying is a part of my relationship with my higher power. But you will, I was unable to find anyone. And if it wasn't that, it was then, what, affirmations? I got to talk to myself in front of the mirror? Really? <laughs> I did all that crazy shit. I did. That stuff helped me. The affirmations helped me a lot. But it was more of like um, reprogramming, like negative um, self-talk. But I'd like to really touch on this, uh, what you just said, because Buddhism really helped me leave when I was leaving. My sister turned me on to um, a form of uh, Shinyuin. It was like a Japanese form of Buddhism. And um, and there was this chanting, which I really like took to easily. And it was something that was very, very helpful in that last year that I was in AA when it was so toxic, when I was trying to um, make it safer and I became really visible in the AA community, which I was never visible in it because I wasn't interested in any kind of power job, you know, as a GSR or whatever. And I actually took a job as a GSR. And if you're listening, you know what that is. It's a general service rep. And all of these things are free if you're listening and you don't understand. Nobody's getting paid here. Everybody's doing all this work for free except the people in New York who, trust me, make a good wage. And you can see that on the Internet, what the tax return is, which should be interesting what we see, what happened in 2020 um wow but so it's very interesting like if i would have met you back then um probably in my last years we would have got along really well uh you know just letting somebody be with the way they are um it says here if he thinks he can do the job in some other way or prefers some other spiritual approach encourage him to follow his own conscience you know what that's if you're listening and you still go to meetings I got to tell you what page you're on, and you should go back, bring your book, and go give them their own medicine. Give them a little, yeah. a little taste of their own bullshit because it's on page 95, and this is an old book. It's from the I don't think the numbers changed, but um, it's a 1974 um, a copy of the big book. So there's two spots here where you could really, you know, straighten them out. If he thinks he can do the job in some other way or prefers some other spiritual approach, encourage him or her to follow his own conscience. It doesn't say her, of course, but I had to slip it in. (laughs) (laughs) We have no monopoly on God. Right, so a lot of times what they preach contradicts what the book actually says. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. We have no monopoly. 
I enjoy playing tool in my car or like, um, you know, I was at the beach today and it was low tide and I love like doing a walking meditation and stepping around the rocks and looking for sea slugs and all of that stuff, you know, but your intuition kind of tells you what things are good for your spirit, not necessarily an outside person that you just met 20 minutes ago over coffee and scrambled eggs at Denny's, you know? Mm-hmm. I really meant to go down there this morning and I should have. I bet you it was beautiful. The beach is really I, I had a feeling. The beach, I mean, I love when it's low tide and it's really flat. The sand gets really hard and flat, and they have that whole section. It's mm-hmm. it's my favorite time to take my shoes off and I walk and I get sane again. Um, makes me <laughs> feel good. Love that. So you were saying um, something about have, a monopoly. They have a monopoly on something. Yeah, we have no monopoly on God. Um, we merely have an approach that worked with us, but point out that we alcoholics have much in common and that you would like in any case to be friendly. Let it go with that. So they're really they're really not like that. Um wait, hold on, let me just that was my that was my son. But I'll I'll call him back later. The son who just hit a baby. Let's see, someone else is um okay. Um, um yeah. Okay, um let's go on to um Page 96, do not be discouraged if your prospect does not respond at once. Search for another alcoholic quick and try again. <laughs> that was really panicking. You are sure to find someone desperate enough to accept the eagerness of what you offer. We find it a way, you know what, in, and during these times, so this is, you know, the book, so let's say AA was founded like, you know, in 1935. These guys meet each other. They both get sober through the Oxford groups. And and, you know, when I finally realized this, when I was first doing this kind of dissection of the book, that there were really very few years that their stupid plan was researched or developed because the book comes out in 35. So they, and he had to write it, right? So it was yeah. only like a couple of hundred people that they were really talking about. And so they did not have a really great, track record except that at the time in the big universities on the east coast they did not know what to do with a drunk or an addict and harry and i I don't know if i'm repeating myself but i'm going to say it again because it's so important harry anzinger who was the drug czar prohibition ends in 33 he has nothing you know no big deal that he can do with alcohol now because it's legal and people are drinking like fish. They're so excited. They're so happy it's over that he decides to go after heroin because his mother was a heroin addict. And he arrests a quarter of a million doctors throughout the country because Whoa. they were writing scripts. It was legal. And so the doctors turned their back on helping addicts. And why would you want to help? It's like, oh, my God, fine. You want to do that? These AA people came in. Right, so this was in '33, um, and you know there was this whole doctor said, "Fine, you want to help, you know, heroin addicts? We just all got arrested for writing legal scripts for these people who want this drug. And imagine how much safer it was to get it from a doctor than buying it on the street and getting fentanyl in it or something. And really? uh, the drinkers as well. And that is how, and that's a whole other episode. They all got into." Mass General in 
Boston and Harvard and Yale is that those doctors looked at these AA guys, and at first they didn't get paid. And all those guys that are there now, there's a lot of them. They are all steppers, not all of them that work there, but the ones that got in, then they went back, they got sober, they got their Ph.D., then they go back to work there, and then they go work at the White House, like that guy who was, you know, the drug czar when Obama was president. I mean, it's a, I was shocked the deeper that I saw how it got into government, and we're going to do an episode about that. That is a tangent I just got off on, which is okay because, like, it is – like, I thought that AA was this grassroots thing, that it was growing. You mean, you mean a, a program based on attraction rather than promotion or forcing people <laughs> to go through the court system? Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> that Hollywood was making movie after movie – like one big, you know, 90-minute commercial, like that's promotion. Yeah. There's even another yeah. word for it, right? I mean, there's, there's probably a, there's a more devious word if you're going to, you know, make a whole movie that's going to be about at the end where Jack Lemmon joins Alcoholics Anonymous uh, and that his wife is bad and a loser because she won't quit. She won't go sober with him and go to AA meetings in her in his trench coat. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, fuck you. Yeah, I'd be interested in compiling a list of films where anybody got sober in the film without AA. I mean, or NA being the end game. Like, is there even like I even watched the current? There's a contemporary show right now, Shameless, right? And the main character, yeah. one of the main characters there, gets sober. Lip, right? He gets sober. Yeah. Oh God, I love to live. Yeah. There's no way that we could have made him get sober any other way. That gritty, you know, guy, he just seemed like he would, come on, man. We can't make yeah, one you know, story. No that, they ruined it for me. Like, so people who watched the original one from England said that, that there's no sober. There's no AA in it. Oh, and really? I think, yeah, that they, they must have hired a writer. They, yeah, and then, well, the Queen's Gambit, she doesn't go to AA or anything. You know, The Queen's Gambit, did you watch that? No, I haven't checked it out. There's still there's shows I gotta see. Does she get sober yeah, in it without a that's a good one. Yeah, but you got a one year old like this, like, you know. It's like some he's so cute though, by the way, just to do have a little <laughs> aside here. Well I follow the adorable channel every night, so he's so cute. <laughs> he's so cute. Your grand your great new grandson what's, is cute adorable. What's his favorite also. book right now? Does he have a favorite book? Do you read to him? Oh, I do read to him. I like Giraffes Can't Dance, and he loves, like, Brown Bear, Brown Bear, because the, you open the page and it slides, so it's like a surprise, and he's always like, ooh, what's, you know, Purple Horse, Purple Horse, what do you see? So he likes that. But you know what really his favorite to binge is these random Costco books that my grandma got in a pack, and it just, like, has a kitty, and it's like, meow, and he wants to just hear me make all the animal noises. Sometimes I honestly yeah. make my own stories for these books, too, because he's, like, not paying attention. <laughs> the whole oh, yeah, and you're pretty so, interesting, though, so I'm sure you can, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, uh, got, you know, like, the rainbow fish? I, I re- retold it to him as, like, a communist story, and I was like, and then the communist fish gave all of his scales away, and now he doesn't have any. <laughs> so that's actually how I read him stories. I grew up on Grimm's fairy tales, so I don't know, you know. Oh, my, my God. Tales. But yeah, so I kind of I do my own stories <laughs> with the pictures. Wait, let me but, just yeah. actually text to my son. I am doing. It's okay. Uh, let me just do this really quick. I'm doing a podcast. 
There you go. Oh, and Never the pelt pelfish. You've got to give him a book about the pelt pelfish. The what kind? The pelt pelfish. He needs that. Oh, okay. It's the best book. We've got to move on. I just got so off on a tangent with you, but it's okay. We're coming back. Okay. Um, uh, now I have an, another caller coming in. So we've been on. I, okay. I'm glad I made it an hour and a half long. Okay. So I want to finish up with you and then bring on another caller. Can I do that? Okay. Very cool. It's been awesome to talk to you, Monica. I'm going to roll inside and go crash out with the little guy. But thank you so much for having me on tonight. Thank you so much for calling in. We'll do it again. Good night. Totally cool. Bye. Good night. All right. Good night. Bye. Okay, there we go. All right. And um, so we're going to bring on another caller. And here we go. Hi. Hello, hello, caller. You're on. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Okay. Okay. Good. So we are talking to Sarah. And uh, could you hear us as we were going? I could. So you can segue into able, <laughs> able to listen in, and then what was that? I yeah, I said we can segue into communism and Alcoholics Anonymous <laughs> history of it. Yeah, that was a good one. She's changing the book just so her son doesn't. <laughs> yeah, because she's on the same page you and I are. But we're going to do a show like that, definitely. Um, so listen, listen to this. So. Exactly. Uh, I want to do the point where you tell the story about Jesus. Remember that one in the meeting in Kailua? Which, which one? <laughs> well, well, you know, it was pretty early on when we were, you know, well, not, I don't know how early on, but, you know, maybe a couple months there, and they kept God this and God that. And I do have nice memories of that space, the St. Christopher's small room, and, the, you know, the breezes coming in, you know, us being from New York and the beauty of Hawaii. But you, like, leaned over to me, and you go, yeah, we, I know, they're all talking about God, like, this is Jesus, like this. And you raised your hand, and you said, you know, oh, come on, like, you know, we all know what, who you're talking about here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it, well, no, I, this is God. I, I, like, what are you, you know, pretending that we don't, like, you're, you know, trying to hide who you're talking about? I guess I do. I guess I do know what you're talking about. And I do I do still have something to say about that. I, I do still have something to say about that, I guess. I do. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm wondering how I should start talking about this. I guess to realize that there are, uh, to realize that there are going to be listeners um, who don't know my story and to deal with it. Maybe I'll deal with it that way because that's the way we dealt with it in Alcoholics Anonymous is by the story, right? Uh, so right. I'm your older sister, and you had come. Uh, so since 1975 is when I started to get familiar with Alcoholics Anonymous, and I was 19 years old. And so um, that's when I had started to deal with the big book. And um, I didn't maybe ask me a question or something. All of a sudden, I feel. Like I have this awful stage well, you know what? This is a perfect chapter for you and I to talk because uh, listeners yeah. out there, uh, you know, my sister's two years older. We're all one year apart. There's a brother in the middle. We're like one year, you know, I was 18. He was 19. You were 20. But you might have still been 19 because of the way we're except, you know what I mean? Like you're not even a full year older than Thomas, right? I mean, it's like that we were so yeah. close apart. But anyway, I went back to New York uh, to 
you know, to I go back there to make amends. I was having trouble with I was having trouble with alcohol. Yeah, so it's, yeah she, she really was drinking like a fish, and in the morning, and the beer, and the whole thing. Yes, yes, yes. But like I, was, I just want to say like this, and then you're going. <laughs> go. Then you're going to have go a lot ahead. to say. Listen to me. This one part is so I'm trying to get her sober. Okay, like I'm. Like, going to carry the message, like I carried the fucking big book, the same book, on the subway with me, wherever I went, into the park, where we used to hang out. And, you know, she thought, well, tell me, I was crazy. What? <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> tell them what happened. She was, in, she was in Hawaii, had been traveling across the country, hitchhiking, and I was in New York City and was drinking huge amounts of alcohol and uh now i had done psychedelics and um uh, but did not use them in the same way and uh and smoking uh i guess we called it we call it weed um i forget what we called it back then but um, i was using cannabis but i didn't have enough money to buy my own but anyway i was really having a big alcohol problem and used uh, some whatever drugs just some kinds of uh, drugs, but but not many. I was not using narcotics, and those were available, but did not use those. Um, and smoking cigarettes and had food food issues, um, definitely those. And uh, so my sister called, and I was having uh, a place didn't have a place to live really, and we did, the word homelessness did not exist at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I get this. Uh, call from my uh, my sister who's in Hawaii says she had uh, discovered the answer which was she came back to New York City with this don't worry about it and she has this book she's sober and it's this book of Alcoholics Anonymous and she takes me to this meeting down on 34th Street and it's these mm. I'll never forget this Oh and my God! That meeting was just terrible. Older, okay. Now we lived we lived way uptown in Inwood. Right. And and now yeah. you say Inwood now it's a completely different place. But like you know you didn't we didn't go downtown very often. And uh, you know these older people and it was in this church in a basement. And all I remember is somebody telling a story about you know driving in a bus and falling off the end and you know uh, yeah. I was like what is she talking about and. Uh, she was very excited, though. There was, there was something different about her. There really was. And um, she was very excited about this book. And that's all the trouble was. And uh, a spiritual experience. It was about a spiritual experience. And she told me these things that she did to have this spiritual experience. And these people that she had met in Hawaii. Um, and Flowbird was a woman named Flowbird. These people on the beach. And this this um, light, the word light and love. She was using the word light and love a lot and making amends to people. And um, and, and, the, and the, the desire to drink and do the drugs was lifted and that she was higher than she was be, be, than using the drugs. It was like tripping, right. the word tripping. <laughs> that was like right. that. It's true. Like right. Yeah, like this. Yeah. And, um, um, and things about like the aura and sealing the, the aura, the words like that. And but this, and, and she gave me the book to read. Okay, so I and, this, and here, here I am at this meeting on Thirty Fourth Street. 
And then there's these old men. I remember, and it was like the movie. I remember had seen you know, like an old black and white movie. Yes. It reminded about the word alcoholic and anonymous. And right. I was like, and one guy, and I told the truth. I remember hearing the thing about the honesty, and 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 I all I could think of, I was dying for a drink. I was just dying for beer, beer. That's all I wanted right. all day long, all night long. And instead, did it work? I said, No, I want some beer. That's what I want. I want beer. And he told me right. to have some milk, a milkshake. And I thought, That's out right. Crazy ice cream? Are you out of your mind? You're crazy. But he, but here I do remember this about it that that got my attention is that it, it wasn't like they were trying to get me to stop the drinking. It was the weirdest thing. I do remember that about it. It was kind of like this. They understood that you couldn't stop. That did get my attention about it. It was kind of interesting then. that they way. They were very different then. They they really understood those guys. Like they knew what it was like to be a chronic you know, somebody with alcohol use disorder or addicted to alcohol, like for sure, you know what I mean? But you know yes. what I think? Sarah, didn't I didn't I make a whole show that we're gonna talk about yes. your whole story and stuff? Um Okay, yes, yeah, so I, I guess I got a little sidetracked here. Yeah, no, no, but I finish finish your your, was, like, no, have, Because then yeah, but we're, happened, we're gonna right? do a whole show about it. So I drew so we left there and I took this this just, I tried, but it just you know it didn't happen, and um, I did read it, and uh, you know I saw this part about the spiritual experience in the book. I, I'm looking at the book right now as I'm talking to you. I took it down off the shelf, and uh, and I I remember throwing it against the wall one day. In, in, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, what did you throw it against the wall? Because it was it was bullshit. I said this is bullshit. You know. Yeah, I uh, mm. was really Thanks. angry, at, at, and, and I started, I think, you know that scene in Forrest Gump, you know, where that uh, Lieutenant Dan has that scene where he's yelling at God, you know, up in the yeah. that yeah. lightning storm. It oh, was yeah. Like the, it, it was oh, like yeah. Was, that's what was was going on, because it um, that's what it said. It was, that's what this, I, was, I had read it, and it was. It was about that. That's what this book was saying. It was saying, you know, it was about having this spiritual experience. And that's what you said you had. And I could see something had happened. Something had happened. Now, I did not think that you were an alcoholic. And I said that to you. Right. I was very upset mm-hmm. about that. You know, right. <laughs> you should be having this. But I did see that something had happened to you, you know. Right. And yeah, I definitely wasn't we, uh, and the we alcoholic were, and 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 we were in the same family, and there was trouble, you know, at home, <laughs> to put it mildly. And and there was something different. Something had happened to you, you know. And as you have, you know, spoken about here on on your show, you know, you were you were really um, trying to touch the lives of, of of people, and you were working. Working. How can you talk without these words? I mean, you know, I, it's very, yeah, yeah. is very important in the deep programming to change the words. But, but there are things that you were doing to, um, I don't know, say you were doing it, working the, working the steps. You were doing those things, um, making some changes, um, uh, affecting. I'm not the only one who's like, um, in in what that you that affected. I, I know that said that to me. They said that to you. You affected people there, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, 
you, you know, I it. think uh, well, it's interesting talking to you. I think that more of it was uh, that I wanted to change. Um, I was really at a place where um, I didn't want to drink at all anymore. And I had quit pot in New York before I left and went across yes. the country and wound up in Colorado. So I had quit smoking pot and or taking anything else, which the only other thing that I I tried other things but would would have been LSD and hallucinogens. And um but I really dabbled with not drinking at all in Colorado in the mountains and down in the city and I found started to find that I really liked how I felt. And then when I moved in with Daddy and Carolyn, um I started to drink with him daily and with her at dinner and drank till I was drunk and went to sleep. And um but it was I was done and I was really lonely. I was really isolated and um and went through a change and and I think the thing that I liked was to help others. I mean I just loved, you know, I don't know, just somehow connecting with people and um anyway, I that that's the part when I was reading this and I realized that that was the one thing that I, I that I loved to do, and you know, in the work that I did with the film was I did enjoy talking to people who were seriously harmed and trying to help people, and did it really with you know, there's no dollar sign here. You know what I mean? There's no I'm not getting paid. I'm not a therapist. I'm not any of that. I'm not a coach or whatever. And so that whatever it is, that's a natural part of me. But I want to save it. Let's we could let, we have enough time that we can go back and forth with the story and this. But there's a whole hour and a half that I we're going to tell my story of coming to New York and then you telling your story if you want and I set it up as a show in the future but the, I want to read this because I forgot that this was in the working with others I thought that this was um in the family or to the wives right there so it says yeah. it may mean the loss of many a night's sleep great interference with your pleasures interruptions to your business it may mean sharing your money in your home and you're counseling frantic wives and relatives innumerable trips to the police, court, sanitarium, hospitals, <laughs> your telephone may jangle at any time of the day or night. Your wife may be saying she's been getting neglected. A drunk may smash the furniture in your home or burn a mattress. You have to fight with him if he is violent. Sometimes you'll have to call a doctor and administer sedatives under his direction. Another time you may have to send for the police or an ambulance, and occasionally you will have to meet such conditions. Do you remember being in meetings where people would I really remember people saying I'm sorry, but it's like a little over the top, you know what I mean? Do you remember being in meetings people saying this, you mean? Well they I remember being in meetings where they read this chapter. But Yes, definitely. But I mean I remember like Harry and Mary telling stories of like stuff that they did. Um, most people didn't do what they did, you know. Um, uh, we sold them allowing alcoholic to live in our house for a long time. It's not good for him and sometimes creates serious complications in the family. Oh, yeah. Actually, when I... Uh, this is a pretty rough one. So when I decided to make the film, I called some of our friends that we know in Hawaii who were still there and who were still there. And when I was told what was going on with... Um, actually, with child molestation, then there were people who knew people and they'd say, oh, do you remember so-and-so from such-and-such such meeting? And I was like, yeah. And, oh, remember she moved to the Big Island? I was like, yeah, sort of. Like, that was so long ago. Well, she let an AA guy move in and rent a room from her, and he molested her two small children. And her daughters never told her 
until they were adults, like it was like decades later. And those were the stories, like one of the women that I met who wound up, yeah. It says that, it it took me a while to find the the place in the page where you were reading, but actually it says that here, we seldom allow an alcoholic to live in our homes for a long time. It is not good for him, and it's sometimes, what, what I found is that they stopped using the, the big book. That what happened was that, well, see, actually, I wanted to, what's interesting about what, what um, when Jacqueline was talking, when she came in, what, well, let me finish with my first thought, which was that after my first big relapse, when I had stayed sober for that long period of time, when I drank, almost 14 years that I hadn't had anything to drink and then I drank and then I was in Westchester County when I went back to meetings again I was in Westchester County and that's when I started at least that's when we first had internet access as well and I was in the area where Bill Wilson lived and that's when we first had internet too at the same time and that's when I started to do research on the history of Alcoholics Anonymous so that's when I started to find out stuff about the Oxford group. And so, for example, um, the Oxford group, and that's, so then in reading the big book, so the Oxford group is really very, like, Masonic. So, like, when, like, just before when Jacqueline was talking to you and she and you guys were talking about working with others, and she said to you, um, Oh, so of course it was. They were just going to sell more books to alcoholics. Yes, exactly. In fact, the Masonic Temple in Philadelphia was the very first home of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it was only because it was designed just for alcoholics that the Masonic Temple in Philadelphia said, "Hey, this is too specialized. You guys have to move somewhere else." Like Alcoholics mm. Anonymous. Alcoholics Anonymous is that Masonic. That's how Masonic it is. It was there wow. first. Yes. So oh, that's interesting. You know, that, that, yes, like that. So we don't have enough time to talk about. No, no, all because of we'll that. have to do another show but, on the history, which you could call in. So when, but I want to keep so moving because secret, we have. So when we talk about secret societies and cults, oh, so here's yeah. an, what's, So just recently. Um, I don't know if it was recently that he first, you know, presented his argument, but recently it started to kind of go a little bit, not, not officially viral, but pretty viral. Mark Passio, Mark Passio, who's pretty well known on the Internet, um, argued that, you know, government in and of itself is a cult. So it's like, so, you know, kind of like, you know, I, I love the work that you've done with Alcoholics Anonymous, like being a cult, but it's like, when I was listening to you and uh, and Jacqueline just talk a little while ago to to you, one of the things that that when we when I start to look at the spirituality that is within Alcoholics Anonymous, what they did to spirituality that drives me so nuts is it's almost like they destroyed it. It's almost like they destroyed the concept of they destroyed the concept of uh, uh, spirituality in and of itself when they say to you 
like in the beginning when they said uh, your own conception of God, maybe it was that way for maybe 30 seconds, you know, but it sure isn't like that anymore. Yeah, it is. It is exactly as we tell you what to do. But actually from the very beginning, Monica, because it was a cult, with the whole spot, that's where the sponsor thing came from, Monica. The sponsor thing is a tradition of the Masonic tradition. Mm. You get sponsored in there like that. The oh, whole, that's right. Yeah, you have to be whole, invited. If, if you now, if you read, once you understand um, things about what Freemasonry is, and you start to read how it works, like we go back and if we open up like. Chapter 5, How It Works, it's filled with phrases that have to do with architecture and Freemasonry. The, yeah. the arc, the arc which, that we're walking through, the cornerstone, the, um, yeah. it's, well, it's filled with it, the 12 steps. He was a conscious, they were, he was a conscious Freemason, Bill Wilson was. And the Oxford group the Oxford name was, I mean, that, that's where you get the, see, we don't have enough time to go through it now, but I'm, I'm just saying oh, that. Can we do the way of this? I want to, want to move forward. We're gonna, I just want to yeah. keep going. So I'm sorry, I, I kind of go off on the tangents, and I go with who's ever with me on the and journey, was, but then I'll jump back in. Because we have these few was, paragraphs. Yeah, yeah, no, we've got to go on. So <laughs> 101, so I'm going to tell people if you're out there listening, so if, I don't think I'm going to take any other callers. Um, if you want to call in, we have 24 minutes, but we're going to keep talking with Sarah here, uh, 818-475-9211. So I'm on page um, 100, okay? And, well, there was... Uh, so, so what, what really ang- what, what upsets me about this is it really does, because, they, because like you have pointed out, there's been deaths, there's been suicides. You know, so what happened was is that you have... On one hand, you have this this program, this book that tells you in in black and white and printed word that this solution right here is spiritual. That's what it says. That's what it says. And then somewhere, right around the time when the American Medical Association American Medical Association claims somehow that oh now it's, now it's a different kind of disease. And, and some, mm-hmm. somehow there's some funny, funny, and there's also some legal issues that get mixed up somehow. Now all of a sudden there's medications that can be given for disorders and things like that. And people who don't know any better, because they haven't, they haven't decided that they're going to go to school and, you know, uh, diagnose themselves. And they're not supposed to be doing that. That, has, that isn't their line of work. And so they get told things and then they start taking medications and whoops, the medications don't work and they end up killing themselves. And, and they're told to go to meetings that are going to fix them. And the meetings, the, the book says that it's a spiritual thing that's going to fix them, but no, somebody else over here tells them it's the medication that's going to fix them. You know, well, which one is it? Yeah, it's pretty bad. You know? It's pretty bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But, but here now, well, but here now we just here. read in the book. But now here we just. I don't know. Listen, assuming, I, but but listen, said, Sarah. Assuming we're we're fit, okay. This is what it says right here. Assuming we're spiritually fit, we can do all sorts of things. Alcoholics are not supposed to do. 
people have said we must not go where liquor is served. We must not have it in our homes. We must shun friends who drink. We must avoid moving pictures which show drinking scenes. We must not go into bars. Our friends must hide their bottles if we go to their houses. We mustn't think or be reminded about alcohol at all. Our experience shows that this is not necessarily so. This is a paragraph I actually loved. We meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. Now that, I think, is horseshit. But there is something the matter with his spiritual status. No, that's not true. His only chance for sobriety would be someplace like the Greenland Ice, Greenland ice Cap or even the Eskimo. Might turn up with the scotch and ruin everything. Ask any woman who has sent her husband to distant places on theory he would escape the alcohol problem. That's also not true. They have proven and say now that changing your environment is very, very helpful for people who are drinking very, very heavily. Right? I mean, so that was something. Well, this is a book that clearly is presenting a spiritual faith-based solution. How is it that, that governments or medical practice is 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 mandating or offering this as a a medical solution on one hand I, you know i you know well sarah you know i think that this is really really an important part you know point you're getting at to and i think that um hunter biden has gone through um 12 step he is the child that, you know, Biden had, it was problematic. He had definitely had alcohol and drug problems and went to rehab and stuff. And I think what's so troubling, and I am going to do a show, I'm probably going to reach out to Joe Miller to do the one about the history of the U.S. of AA again, that he can be on with me. But um, really troubling how embedded it is, how it's used in the courts, how the judges are AA members, um, a sheriff could be one. Um, you know, uh, pr- professors at the head of a very large university, a big wing, you know, of it, a guy who's a Ph.D., a doctorate in um, mass general, is a stepper, and he calls himself an expert, but then doesn't let everybody know that he's, like, really a stepper, too. And and, and really, what's his name? The guy who was the czar for Obama, you know, he just came out and said, I'm a member with 25 years. Or maybe you know what's occurring to me, Monica, is is maybe it's that the the screws weren't tight enough on the steppers. This was called Alcoholics Anonymous. This is it's faith based. It's supposed to be secret. It's none of anybody right. else's business. And and if right. it's a god of our own understanding, then that means that. And it means it should not have ever been that that concept and that way I, I and those agree. practices should not have been impressed. There shouldn't be workbooks and somebody overseeing somebody right. else on how the right. they're doing work. Right? Yep. And maybe yep. and maybe yep. maybe maybe I shouldn't have been quiet so long. You know? Yeah, maybe that's maybe maybe Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think so. I mean, that's why the ones that are secret, like, you know, the family. Have you ever heard of the family? Well, I've heard of that the family, but I've, it, I, there's a do- I, I, I know you watch Netflix. There's a documentary on Netflix called The Family. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watched it. I tried to read the book. but it, it, So it was also formed in 1935. 
and it's connected to DC. So sometimes I would be hearing a person talk in politics, and I go, that fucking stepper. And my friend was like, no, no, no. You need to know about the family. And so that's a whole other thing that's so similar. But, you know, I've talked to lawyers who knew nothing about AA, but after working with me and my film said, it's like a good old boys club, Monica. And I see it now with lawyers and judges, and now I know who all of them are by their by the way they act with each other, with the wink wink and the nod nod. But it isn't the world that you and I, you know, and, and, and we were years later, okay, what is thirty five, forty five, fifty five, sixty five? You know, we went to AA like forty years after it started, right? Forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, yeah. When AA had its biggest growth, and it had its biggest growth because of Hollywood, with those two, you know, it wasn't just those two movies that, you know, it was uh, all my children, they had a character join AA, that older woman had a drinking problem that just accelerated, and they put her into AA, and then the, the my name is Sarah T, I'm a teenage alcoholic, and well, that was, was drug, really... the psychedelic, the psychedelic thing, remember? It was us. It was our age group, and the, mm-hmm. the psychedelic movement and the dual, the dual addiction. That age group, they saw us coming. Those of us who were well, I mean, I AA was pretty smart. Young they people. had some marketing person that sent AA speakers to a fucking grade school. You know, I had to sit there and listen to them. Um, you know, at Good Shepherd School, I think you were graduated already when they came. You must have been because I was in seventh grade, I guess. So you were already graduated. That's you. right. Yeah. So it was brainwashing. They were planting the seed, Sarah. They were planting the seed into little children. Imagine they were that. Like CIA. They were like CIA people, now that I think of it. Yeah. <laughs> I remember them. <laughs> <laughs> well, our father was in the. Was it called intelligence in the Korean War in the army? <laughs> my, my father. Oh God, God bless him. I love you, Dad. All right, so um, let me just go on here because uh, where did I stop here? Um, we meet these conditions every day. Oh yeah, okay. I read all that. Um, in our belief, any scheme of combating alcoholism which proposes to shield the sick man from temptation is doomed to failure. The alcoholic tries to shield himself. He may succeed for a time, but he usually doesn't wind up with a bigger... Okay, I don't want to read that. Who cares? Okay, so our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking. If we had a legitimate... Oh, this is the whoopee party story. This is like the whole... That paragraph. I used to love to quote from... You go to whoopee parties. So our rule is not to avoid a place where there is drinking. If we had a legitimate reason for being there, that includes bars and nightclubs and dances and receptions and weddings and even plain ordinary whoopee parties. To a person who has an experience with an alcoholic, this may seem like tempting providence, but it isn't. You, now I, I want to stop here because, like, I read that, and I, I really took it to heart, right? And so I went into the bars in Inwood. I went into the park where everybody was drinking. I was never tempted. And when, when I saw what was going on in California when I came here, and this was early in the 80s, the way that people were talked to by their sponsors. Had like a shield on. What's that? You had like a shield on. I remember it. was so funny. Yeah, yeah. I felt pretty strong, and I didn't want to drink. So, And the more people wanted me to, the more I got 
empowered to not want it. I was like, fuck you. Remember with Billy, Patsy's boyfriend? Yeah. He, like, yeah, yeah. Told me, picked me up by my oh. shoulders. I was, like, so skinny. He, like, put me against the chain link fence and was like, you want a drink? We know you want a drink. And I was like, fuck you, Billy. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. Gosh, yeah, Patsy was there for that. Yeah, it was really, yeah, we had, like, this big fight. And, you know, because I was, he probably saw me as coming off as, like, I was superior, but I don't remember really feeling that way there. I mean, I certainly had moments after that, you know, and and during it, right, where I was, like, feeling different. But later, I definitely, I'm sure I had that arrogance and stuff. But um, at that time, I was, like, just feeling so, and I wasn't sober that long. You know what I mean? It was, like, three Uh, months or whatever. I know, right? Right? I felt great. I just felt great. Anyway, so I want to finish because I think we can get through this. It's like just two and a half more pages. Um, Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that I saw how AA changed for the worst compared to when we went is that we all went out. I mean, I think that you didn't as much because you, you know, started dating Larry. We lived with Larry, and we, I went dancing like three nights a week. We went disco was in, and I went out dancing and discotheking and Mm -hmm never was afraid like you know a couple of times I picked up a drink and there was like something yeah. in my strip made a big deal about it but you know we were really you know um, I mean Harry and Mary Lake would take all of us out we said you got to learn how to live and they would buy everybody sodas yeah. and we yeah. like partied like yeah. partied like we were drunk and we were so you know yeah. what I mean it was yeah. like yeah. yeah how to live and and not be hiding and just sitting in meetings yeah. drink eating cookies you know and coffee whatever Although you we even had put good time. parties. This whole next page, this whole next page, Monica, page 102. I'm looking at it yep. now. Why sit in long faces? Those are the whole great 70s. We had a great time. We were in Honolulu. We were in Waikiki. Okay, but you better be sure that you're on solid ground, Sarah. Quick. <laughs> so so we be were. sure you're on solid spiritual ground before you start that. Your motive is yeah, – we were. I'm kidding. I'm just joking around the way it's written. Do not think of what you will get out of the occasion. Think of what you can bring to it. And I did, and i got to tell you, if you think about that before you go someplace, you're going to be in a better mood anyway. But if you're shaky, you better stay home and go work with another alcoholic. There you go. Why sit with a long face in places where there is drinking and sighing about the good old days? If it is a happy occasion, try to increase the pleasure of those there. If it's a business occasion, go and attend your business enthusiastically. If you are with a person who wants to eat at a bar, by all means, go along. Let your friends know that you're not there to change your habits and your account. At a proper time and place, explain to your friends why alcohol disagrees with you. If you do this thoroughly, for a few people ask you for a drink. Um, while you were drinking, you were withdrawing from life. Little by little, now you are getting back into the social life of this world. Don't start with withdrawing again just because your friends drink liquor. Now, this is a really – there's so many people who come into the groups, like leaving AA and stuff, where you could tell that they've totally abandoned their drinking friends, which, quite honestly, I think I did too eventually, right, you know? I mean, I did have normal friends, but, like, that kind of – don't you think, like, eventually you become all of your friends? Or was That's that not the case? I'm about to, I'm about, I'm about to say. I wish, I wish I had seen these last two pages earlier in the show because I kind of just – I, because I'm so familiar with the book, though, it was easy to speed read it, and especially yeah. these this this last page where it says, 
We are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution. Experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anyone. Every new alcoholic looks for this spirit among us and is immensely relieved when he finds we are not witch burners. Mm-hmm. A, a spirit of intolerance might repel alcoholics whose lives could have been saved had it not been for such stupidity. We would not even do the cause of temperate drinking any good, for not one drinker in a thousand likes to be told anything about alcohol by one who hates it. Someday we hope that Alcoholics Anonymous will help the public to a better realization of the gravity of the alcoholic problem, but we shall be of little use if our attitude is one of bitterness or hostility. Drinkers will not stand for it. After all, our problems were of of our own making. Bottles were only a symbol. Besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. We have to. But what I want to say about this is, you know what? I want to say on air here on Blog Talk Radio that will be my data forever. Alcoholics Anonymous has failed at that. If you take a look at the United yeah. States of what used to call the diseasing of America, it has failed. This this country right now, it's just what exactly what you said a few minutes ago. Most people are in treatment or know somebody who are in treatment. Mm-hmm. They abandon all their drinking friends. They shame the people that they know if they think they're drinking too much. This is what I see going on in the United yeah, States yeah. right now. That paragraph they're, is people come in and they're, they're so alone. Judging, they're judging each other now. Judging the shit out of them. Yep. Judging the shit out of them. It's gone crazy. It's gone out of control. That's what I think. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And I think that if people live like this, like I really – um, you know, liked that part when I was very much entrenched, a very young stepper. But the thing that I really hate is this final line that you read in um, italics. After all, our problems were of our own making. No, every and because that is used like a for gaslighting for people. Like anything that happens, you know, it's as well. You know, our problems we see are like even if somebody was a victim, like of, of domestic violence, or like I mean the stories no, I've heard from true. people. Is awful, no, and the bottle was only a symbol. Okay, I'm not even going there, but this is what I want to say. This is the part that I feel like the government loved. Besides, we have stopped fighting anything or anybody. And when I saw that as I was leaving, what a way to control a population. And that would leave us on the next one about communism, about if you get a population and even if they are not in AA, they all know that. Well, you know, we ceased fighting. It doesn't even say ceased, right? Well, because, besides, we have stopped fighting anybody or anything. Maybe it says it somewhere else in that way. I think it does. We ceased fighting. Maybe it's in Chapter 5. Yeah, yeah it is in Chapter sick. 5. They have us as Repeating it. As right, so I wrote they here, nuts. People are nuts. <laughs> Yeah, the diseasing of America. The diseasing have us as, yeah, they think they're going to do it. No, I'm not yeah. going for it. I'm not going no. for it. <laughs> well, I want to thank you, Sarah, for calling too. in. And um, we're going to do another show where we're just going to, I don't think we need any of the book to just talk. Um, that's the one where I called it a family, what did I call it, a sibling, gets a sibling into the forces there <laughs> forget what I called the headline but um uh let me see what I called it 
Yeah, I think that you just right. made a really, really good point. You know, yeah. That strength the spiritual aspect freely. <laughs> I just caught that line. Stress the spiritual aspect freely. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, I want to find it. Oh, that's no, I love it. I love it. It's good. Okay. Well, thank you, Monica. All right. Thank you for calling in, and uh, and we'll we'll see you next week. I'll talk, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. Thanks so much, Sarah. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Um, just a few more minutes, and we'll wrap up the show. You will do another show where we are just going to talk about that whole thing. I, I, I really want to find the name of this because I thought it was kind of funny, and I'm just pulling it up right now. What? Um, oh, a sibling drabs, drags her sister into AA, and let's see what happens. And that'll be the story. Um, but she doesn't feel that I dragged her in. But I certainly felt like I was like, you know, pretty pretty insistent or tr- really trying uh, to help her um, when she was not ready to stop. And there was no harm reduction technique at all in the um, in the lexicon of our culture in the 1970s, in 1975. But eventually she does um, stop. But it was very, very different experience for her. And uh, so I'll let her tell that story when I do that show. So what I see here is that this is probably the only chapter that I've torn up where there are paragraphs that do make sense but they don't but they don't practice them. So the, this whole paragraph where it says we are careful never to show intolerance or hatred of drinking as an institution, um, experience shows that such an attitude is not helpful to anybody. Every new um, drinker looks for the spirit among us and is immensely relieved when they find out that we are not witch burners, but that's not true anymore, nor has it been true since rehab has owned it. And it's almost like, of course, AA influenced rehab and then rehab began to influence and change and the forcing of people to meetings by the courts, by families in a way that wasn't altruistic or attracted, that these people were actually attracted to it on on their own, which is a magical thing, that if you let a person find that way and that they want to be there only because they want to be there and then they walk away from it when they're done that that is very special the energy is special and it changes for the worse when you force people to sit there angrily and it does change the energy in the meetings and it did change the energy and no they didn't vote on it even though they said they did when I called New York and I said, no, you didn't, and I can tell you why. And I'm going to finish up with this with, with people who believe that a group conscience ever happens. Look, you know, they could easily do voting now online about whether or not anyone should be allowed to be forced, right? And I have an answer for how you could handle that, which would be downtown in the courts where they do the MAD meeting that you get forced to go to. And that's the Mothers Against Drug meeting. You could have other alternatives besides. You could have a smart meeting and you could have 
AA and you could have harm reduction being taught in a big, big group, uh, these are options to get some help if you need it, right? And then you pick the one you like, and then you would get more educated on that particular free self, what they call peer support help, right? And, uh, you know, the the way that it's laid out now with the forcing of people, it's just, it's so bad. It's so bad. And uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Again, I'm Monica Richardson. I'm the filmmaker of The 13th Step and the podcast of this podcast, Safe Recovery. Please share anywhere where you think somebody might benefit who's trying to leave or left or maybe has a family member who needs help but they don't really understand what's going on. Um, And if you would, I could please ask you to go to YouTube to my page there, Monica Richardson, and subscribe to me there and um, maybe like the 13 Step to Film page or group that's on Facebook. And um, I will be doing shows weekly for now. Uh, And I will see you all next week. Thanks so much, Jacqueline, for calling in. Thank you so much, Sarah, for calling in. And anyone out there listening, thanks for listening. Thank you, Kevin, for listening. I love you dearly. And we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.